Hello, I'm Sylvia Lecuyer, and in this episode of Notations, my two guests today are Bruce Dickey, cornetist, and Hanna Blazikova, soprano, and they will both be here performing in Vancouver on March the 3rd and bringing with them the breath of angels, nothing but. Very happy to meet you both. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Sylvia. Hello, Hannah. Hello, Sylvia. You guys are a pair of angels bringing this wonderful music around the world with your instrument, Bruce de Cornetto. Um, when I went on your website, I saw that you were the Orfeo of the Cornetto. So what is an Orfeo was charming? Everybody, the beasts, the animals, the gods, the stones, the uh, inferno with that. What is so special about the Cornetto? Introduce me to this magic instrument. Well, I don't know if I can say exactly what is magical about this instrument. Um, I think I know some aspects of it. I think that it has a sound that is both um, can have a brilliance to it, but can also have a sweetness. And uh, of course, it was famous for being the most vocal uh, instrument of, or the, the instrument that could best imitate the human voice. And I think that's rather magical. Um, it, it has the uh, sort of takes qualities from different um, families of instruments. It has a little bit of the brilliance of the brass, but it also has the, the agility of the woodwinds. And then, of course, through it all, this, this vocal quality, which we try to focus on in this program, uh, Breath of Angels and all, our whole breathtaking um, uh, I don't know what to call it. This is uh, <laughs> part of a, a series of programs that work on this idea of the voice and the instrument being equals in a way. You don't happen to have one in your hands just now because I, have, I haven't seen it in a while, but oh, well, here have, we go. Yes, I have the Breath of Angels one. Ah, perfect. Excellent. <laughs> so I see this, once we cornetto, we think cor in French, so horn, but it's not exactly that. It looks more like a straight instrument, like almost like a flute. So it, what is it made of? It's made of wood. Um, and it is usually um, covered with leather or parchment. Um, the instrument is, is uh, well, I, I don't know how much you can see in this picture, but it's curved. Yes. And it is made of two halves that are carved out and then glued together. Uh, oh. And I think that's the reason for the covering with leather or parchment to, first of all, to seal the, this seam so that the air doesn't leak out, but also to keep the instrument um, well <laughs> connected so it doesn't come apart. Um, maybe it has some role in the sound. I don't know. People don't agree on that. Um, but it's made of it's made of wood. It has finger holes like a flute, and it has a very small cup, a mouthpiece like a brass instrument, but very much smaller and made usually of horn, animal horn, sometimes of ivory and occasionally of wood. So That's Hannah, the... we've you've been singing uh, with the accompaniment of this instrument, and Bruce was saying that it, it's close to the voice. Uh, how was it the first time you sang with having as a other soprano, if I can say, this sound that is, is sometimes so really intriguing. We feel that we hear two voices. 
It's so funny you don't ask me what's so special about the human voice instrument and uh, what's it, what's it made of. But uh, yeah, well, uh, we, I think that when I met Bruce and we started, you know, having these conversations while we were traveling somewhere and we were just speaking about music and um, we realized that we really like the sound of, you know, I very much loved the sound of Cornetto and I thought like, this is the sound I would, you know, like to imitate. And Bruce said, he likes the sound of my voice and and also he would like to imitate a human voice of course because that's the instrument's quality as well so it was it was kind of funny funny moment but then uh, when we tried for the first time uh, some you know some pieces from the breathtaking um, program uh, it's it was amazing it was great you know I some of these pieces not these concrete pieces, but I do sing with uh, other sopranos, uh, you know, for two sopranos or um, duets and, and stuff like this, but but never with an instrument uh, imitating the other soprano voice. And uh, it felt easier <laughs> than oh. with a, a human voice for some reason. Yeah, Why? so um, I don't know, it's... Uh, uh, I think sometimes human voice can be not that precise in, uh, you know, in mm. tone in, in tone quality maybe, or I don't know. It it really felt very reliable and and um, uh, I could hear every note Bruce is you know playing while I'm singing. It's 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 really it's really great connection there. So maybe yeah. I should have asked you what is it made of the, the human voice, so <laughs> so you can adapt to what you, the other instrument you have there. Could, Did you have yes, Bruce? Yeah, I'd just like to comment a little bit on what Hannah said because I remember so well those days. I uh, was about seven or so years ago when we started uh, working on this idea, and of course I had been trying to imitate the human voice for many many years, and. The thing is, you come across all kinds of voices. <laughs> it's not always quite clear in what way can the cornetto imitate the human voice. There are many voices that I hear and that I sometimes have had to play with where I can't really say that I can imitate those voices. And But still, it was quite uh, wonderful to try. And, uh, and then I met Hannah and on some projects with other groups. And the first time I heard her voice, I thought, wow that's a voice that I could imitate. <laughs> and we had some projects together where uh, we had a few mo little moments here and there where we had a duet or something. And I thought, this is, um, this is great, but it's not enough. And I have to find some kind of framework in which we can do this more systematically. And that's how on the train, on the way back from one of these gigs where we had played together, uh, I had this idea of putting together this program, which we then called Breathtaking. My wife came up with the name Breathtaking. Uh, <laughs> and that was the beginning of the whole thing. But, you know, it's the idea that imitating the human voice is a very fundamental thing for a cornetist, but you have to have the right voice. Or, or... Uh, yeah, I, I would like to comment on that. But also for a human voice, sometimes it's very... <laughs> uh, imitating an instrument is also... 
thing, you know, when you sing Bach, for example, and also early music, you must somehow imitate also an, an instrument. It, it, it's an instrumental line very often. And I probably happen to have some kind of voice that is more instrumental than, than you know, other voices. And I'm, I'm very happy for that quality. Of course, that makes me, you know, that takes away, for, for example, an opera, uh, like, you know, romantic opera from me. But uh, at the same time, I can sing early music and end with instruments. And, uh, you know, it's it, it brings this to into my life. So, yeah, I think also imitating an instrument is, is very, very important for singers sometimes. Mm. You have, uh, however, sang uh, Monteverdi operas and also Mozart opera. And when you sing some opera areas, uh, you will very often have another instrument uh, obligato, an instrument that is actually there to accompany your voice specifically for that area. So when you have an obligato with a violin or for with the flute, or you have to change your voice, then how do you cope with that? Oh, it more depends on the on the mood of the aria uh, like for example when you sing with flute it's it's usually something very airy and very soft or very high so uh, yes you know it's it, it's a kind of imitation of the instrument but it's mostly written in the score already you know yeah. when you play, when you sing with violin yeah I, i'm thinking about bach you know he wrote so many arias with obligate, you know, obligatory instruments like violin and and flute and uh, oboe, and we, you know, so every time you sing, it it, it adds a different, uh, uh, yeah, it adds something different to your expression as well because you are you know in duet with somebody, you know, and trying to make it work together. So yes, yeah, definitely. So Bruce, you're coming this time with your orchestra of angels with you and by the way the angel is because we always see on the cathedral sculptures and in the paintings and you showed us the the cover of your cd the angels are playing those instruments in all the representations the iconographies for that so um but when you put the, your program together uh, i see that you did some surprising thing you have old music new music even commission music even eric satie so uh, how did you manage to how did you decide to build this program well, from the beginning of this whole breathtaking uh, idea, I wanted to incorporate at least some contemporary music, at least one piece of newly commissioned music for the program. And we did that with breathtaking. But then when I wanted to make this new program, I thought, how can we build on that? And how can we, uh, I mean, the, the theme of angels is a kind of uh, image that accompanies the program. It's not a strict uh, program of music about angels because some of the music has nothing to do with angels in, except in that I hope that our two voices uh, together have something angelic about them. But I thought it, was, it would be interesting to have some music that uses our voices or the cornetto and the, and the voice together in a way that is similar to the way uh, the earlier composers used them, which is to say, mm, writing for the voice and the cornetto in exactly the same way, so that you we could switch parts for the in most of the pieces without mm -hmm. changing the the music. 
um, and find some, some some later pieces in which that same thing is true. So I commissioned two pieces by contemporary composers, giving them that as their task to write something that has something about angels in the text and that uses the cornetto uh, in a way that is um, following this earlier idea of the instrument and the voice being uh, almost interchangeable. And so I found two composers who were very uh, happy to do that, very excited to do that. Um, and I thought, how can we somehow connect those con two contemporary pieces to some much earlier music? Um, and I, through a kind of chance encounter with this piece of Eric Satie, uh, I thought that might be the key. I, I happened to be at a concert uh, two years ago in which Barbara Hannigan sang this, um, this little chanson. It's only about two minutes long. Uh, Les Anges. And as I listened to this piece and listened to the text, it was all about angels playing lutes and the, their fingers vibrating the, the strings and creating celestial harmonies. And I thought, as I listened, this piece, this text has to be a part of our program. And as I listened to Barbara Hannigan, I thought, I think that's compatible with Hannah's voice. And this, this could make a nice... Uh, addition to the program. There's no cornetto in the piece, but it, it is a kind of bridge, I think, between the earlier repertoire and the uh, two contemporary pieces. I just listened to that recording, actually, because Barbara Hannigan has recorded this, and, and I said, yes. oh, I see, I see your point. But uh, what is interesting is that, of course, Barbara mainly sings contemporary new repertoire that's commissioned for her. So Hannah, what big a, a place do you have in your repertoire for new music? Is it something completely um, foreign to you? No, 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 not at all. Um, when I studied music when I was very young, um, I had in my class uh, a composer and he wrote for for class, for, for all the instruments and for the singers in the class. So uh, I was kind of used to performing wild uh, new music <laughs> when I was growing up and uh, of course also I think that um, many of contemporary um, contemporary composers like to use um, voices that are somehow like from like singing early music voice like which doesn't use too much vibrato is clearer in some way um so i happened to sing some some contemporary music as well before yeah but not as as much as as now when i perform our concerts with 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 bruce and uh with a new commission pieces and it's really great um great um how would i say uh a change also of repertoire it's uh, it, it brings some fresh fresh music fresh air also challenging things, of course, but yeah. uh, I like to do both, yeah, early and yeah, early. and it's always yes, interrupt. I thought it was interesting that um, when we did our first bre breathtaking uh, tour, and just before we came to Vancouver, we we were in Portland, Oregon, uh, where where they have a very big and very dedicated early music audience. And after the concert, we did a signing, a CD signing, 
And one person after another, I don't know how many, said my favorite piece on the program was the Kaliopi Tsupaki, the contemporary piece that we had commissioned for that program. Wow. And I, I thought it was incredible, the reaction that we got to that piece and continue to get, and not only for her piece, but also for these new pieces of of Ivan Moody and, and Julian Wachner. Um, it always is, uh, I think, a surprise and a big success, which is a, a little bit contrary to, we got one review, one review of this breathtaking CD, which said, um, very, very positive review going on about how wonderful it was. And then they said, but I must tell you one thing. I must warn you that there's a piece of contemporary music on this CD. <laughs> and, it's Beware. 10, and it's 10 minutes long. I'm very fond of that sort of thing. <laughs> Which is an attitude that I have not encountered in audiences no. anywhere with these programs we've done. So that's, I think, an interesting Yet we'll we'll judge by ourselves, and I'm sure we will actually love it, especially that Hannah is so enthusiastic too. And Hannah, uh, you born in Prague, and we had many many artists coming to us this season at Early Music Vancouver, uh, doing early music from Czechoslovakia. It seems that you have there is a, a big concentration of early music in your country. Yeah, uh, yeah. It looks like that it, it's probably not like there is so much more early early music going on than in some other countries but uh, i must say that prague is really really great center for early music ensembles and uh, i could easily uh, just you know live here and and just uh, sing with ensembles here and i would have a lot of work because there are so many of, of these early music ensembles but uh, yeah I'm, I'm trying to combine you know everything a little bit like other ensembles and other work yes but i'm very lucky also i must say that during covid um i was very lucky because the 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 local scene of early music somehow helped a lot all the musicians and and we tried to do a lot of like streams um, recordings some we got some funds it was it was really helpful to to have this kind of working uh, not underground scene but uh, yeah some something that really sticks together yeah know, it's, it's active yes yeah and what about you bruce yes sorry. i just wanted to say that um I have, of course, knowing Hannah, I have uh, sort of had a, a bit of access to this Prague early music scene and know, know some of her colleagues very well. Um, and I just wanted to say that our next um, breathtaking collective recording project is going to be a collaboration with the uh, Capella um, Mariana which I think was just in Vancouver. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. th this project, which won't be until 2024, but will be a, a co-creation um, with, with them. So We had a wonderful yeah. time. Their visit was wonderful. We really enjoyed them a lot. Yes, um, I did enjoy it too. <laughs> I enjoyed it very much, I must say. Now, a last little piece. Um, I said it's not your first visit here. You've come before, but you also have another interesting link with Canada, Bruce. You've been at the LAMP uh, Academy, at the Lunenburg Academy of Music Performance, a few times, and I think you're coming back this year also. Well, I've I've been coming. Yes, I am coming back this year. I, I, actually, what it is is that 
I have a personal relationship with Bert Wagen because he lived in Bologna for many years and played the viola in the orchestra of the opera and is a very good friend of some of our very good friends here. So um, he, through that connection, asked me to put together an early music course for LAMP a number of years ago. And that uh, led to him deciding that I should be in charge of the early music courses in LAMP. And so we've been doing one or two courses each year. Now, I think we're into our fourth year or so. Uh, each time, there are courses that are very different from other early music courses that you find around where they tend to be rather general. They tend to have a large amateur component and um, a later repertoire. We've focused on, mm -hmm. because for him, his personal definition of early music is music before uh, Bach. Oh, and so okay. He's, he's not interested in 18th century music at, at LAMP. And so we've focused on um, 16th and 17th centuries. And uh, each time with a, a very new theme and with a very sm small group of teachers and students. It's very intimate. We usually have 12 or maybe 15 students. Mm -hmm. I had a chance to visit LAMP and the Academy in Nuremberg is just an extraordinary place. And our it's own Susie Leblanc participated in some of your academy, I think, it's too. Also. Yeah. Now, both of you, tell me what is this extraordinary secret manuscript that is at the core of your programming today? You've, apparently, someone found a few years ago a manuscript of music in a flea market in Vienna. And, uh, yes. and what is it? And you are singing some of those songs. It's a it's a manuscript that was that was found as I said in those notes I think in in a, a flea I, I'm not sure I said flea market I'm not sure if it was a flea market or a a, a sort of a low end uh, antique shop um, anyway this manuscript turned up and no one knew what it was and uh, someone who was studying musicology at the University of Vienna um, purchased it and did a, a dissertation on it. And then it was interest was uh, rose in this uh, about this, and uh, some people in 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 England at Sotheby's got wind of it, and they studied the manuscript, and it was because this person from Vienna bought it for something like twenty dollars or twenty euros or something. It was very little, and then the manuscript was sold at Sotheby's for many many hundreds of times that, wow. and. We don't know where it has gone because these, that's the way it is with these, the art market. <clears throat> it's now disappeared. But fortunately, it was very well documented and it was photographed at very high resolution. So we have access to very nice copies of it. And it was, it's called Carlo G because on the title page, well, it's not really a title page, but on the table of contents, which is all there is, it says something about music. Uh, of or collected by Carlo G and then there's a smudge and so oh. we can't see the rest of his name uh, and it was thought first that it was Carlo Graziani I think that was the name that was proposed but then some people objected they thought it was music from the Roman uh, in, uh, environment a Roman scene and now it's been studied by a musicolo another musicologist um, 
who has tied the manuscript pretty convincingly to Bolognese convents. So mm -hmm. it was music, this person, Carlo G, we still don't know what his name was, but people are now calling him Carlo Gra, because it seems to be G-R-A smudge. <laughs> I'm not sure. I like Carlo G better, I think, than Carlo, Carlo Gra. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Hannah, you have such a, a big repertoire of music of those 16th, 17th century. We don't have the date exactly. When you are in front of new piece like that, uh, can you Im immediately connect with it and see, have the impression that, oh yeah, that must be, I've, I've sung something like that. That sounds like this. How did you react to that discovery mm -hmm. when you had those new piece? Yeah, um, sometimes you see a piece and you think like, oh my, how am I going to go through this? <laughs> where to start? You know, where to end? Um, but it, then you have to work on it a little bit and then you realize it's fantastic. Um, and it also it's the it's the, uh, the Carlo G, for example, pieces. Um, first you think, oh my, it's very complicated. It's very florid and clear. How, when I, how am I going to do this place and that place? But then when we do it in the concert, of course, it's, it's, it's totally different thing. It makes sense. But how do I study? I don't know. I, I study a lot because I, I have to study so much new music almost every day. Um, so mm. I have my, of course, I have my um, ways of how I study. Uh, I usually just think through, sing through things, see where is the problem, uh, see what I can do about it, uh, translate things, and uh, that's it. And then I go and try to um, rehearse with, with group or with ensemble and see how it sounds. Because there is not so much time to to in detail to do everything uh, on my own. And there's a big variety. I mean, we hear music from, uh, we mentioned on the new music, Sati, but also Scarlatti, Boroncini, uh, Cavalli, so musicians that are well-known, Palestrina. So there is a great uh, variety. So we're really looking forward to this. Uh, who else is coming with you, Bruce? You have uh, introduced you your ensemble that is accompanying you. Well, uh, what happened with the breathtaking program is uh, I had been frustrated for many years with touring North America with European ensembles because of the expense of travel and the expensive and complication of visas. And uh, so I had the idea of, of having a sort of backup group um, mm -hmm. in each continent. And so we had a oh. group of musicians in Europe and we made the original recording and we did it a number of concerts for a couple of years. And then when we first toured uh, in the U.S., we put together an ensemble of American. I have a lot of American and Canadian friends uh, from many years of working over here, over there. <laughs> um, so we put together a group um, in Portland when, when we started that first program, which surrounded was sort of around Stephen Stubbs, who played uh, the Orbo and Monica Huggett, who was a violinist there, um, and some other musicians. Now, Stephen Stubbs and Monica Huggett have moved on to other things or retired and whatnot. So um, I have taken a few of the musicians who played with us on the original Breathtaking Tour, uh, Tekla Cunningham, who played mm -hmm. second violin then, and she's now playing first violin. Um, Chloe Myers that I knew from many years ago yeah. in Montreal and um, 
Joanna Blundolf, who uh, I know from many things, but from Indiana University, where I studied, and she's now the bio teacher at Indiana University. So we had a connection there, and and then we had we had Lucas Harris, who was going to play Theorbo, um, but he had to drop out for family reasons, and recommended a young American player who's really making a name for himself, Brandon Aker. So he'll be with us as well. I think I've got everyone. Great. I love that idea that you have your family, European family and your North American family <laughs> traveling we, with you. And then we had a couple of years ago, we we did an Australian tour. We had an Australian group. So that's when I decided to call this whole thing the breathtaking collective, because it is indeed a collective of musicians in various places who play with us for our programs that are around this theme of the voice and the cornetto. Wonderful. Well, you're doing in any way this wonderful tour, Vancouver first, and then Columbus, Ohio, Montreal, New York, and then two days in Dumbarton Oaks. Just the name makes me <laughs> makes me dream. One day I want to visit yeah. this wonderful place. Thank you very much, Bruce and Hannah. And I'm happy to have chatted with you today. And I remind you who are listening that you can purchase tickets to the concert at earlymusic.bc.ca. The concert in Vancouver is on March the 3rd. Thank you very much to join us for this episode of Notations. Mm -hmm.